0: Welcome everybody to this episode of Clinically Pressed. Uh, This is a roundtable discussion that we had been wanting to get into for a little while. Uh, There had been a bunch of background which we'll get into in the episode, but we thought it was important to get this out. Uh, This is a direct follow-up to our clinical insight uh, that we had from AJ just last week. So if you hadn't checked that one out, he gives a great 10-minute rundown on some of this information that we'll be covering in this uh, discussion. We have guest host Erica Boland, uh, Kyle's um, wife, for this episode. Uh, We are at the Boland's humble abode, uh, recording a little late. Thankfully, all the kids, the boys, had been to bed and stayed there for us. That made the episode go a little bit better. Also, we got to test out our new headsets, and I'll tell you, I think it's well worth it. um, And we'll give a better audio quality to all of you. So what we covered in this one is we talked about the evidence-based practice idea and then the continuum that that could follow and what does that all mean? Is it going too far one direction or the other if we go strictly evidence-based? And from that we also dived into not just going for anything and everything that is sold to us and that we kind of wrapped around to the old time snake oil salesman where it used to fix everything. And so within that, we started really trying to get into, is there a right answer? Is there something that makes sense that works for everything? Uh, we think it was a good discussion. We think we got a lot of things that could help you try and wade through some of the stuff that's out there because it can be overwhelming and really confusing from time to time. With that, if you could please subscribe to us on iTunes, there's a link in the show notes. Uh, I'll take you right to the page. Um, also on youtube would be huge we'd really appreciate it Um helps us just continue to keep this thing going uh... helps you get the information faster uh, which is always beneficial to you guys um and with that uh also check out one of our sponsors which we did vet um, and partners uh, paragon fitness and nutrition Uh, they do some amazing stuff and the science behind it is great we have an episode with them episode 44 well worth checking out to hearing their kind of background on everything that they do uh so that is well worth checking out as well we really um are big on their flame off right now after a long trip overseas for me that made a huge difference in just letting my body recover and get back to what i needed to do plus um erica actually took a bunch of it uh, before the episode as she was kind of battling through an injury uh, and it seemed to be helping her get going again so check that out um, paragon fitness and nutrition paragonfn.com uh, flame off use uh, promo code CP15 for 15% off at checkout. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Also, just a heads up, there is a couple swear words in this one, so please be careful who you're listening around. Shall we get started? Let's do this. Awesome. So welcome to this episode of Clinically Press. We are first in um new time on the new headsets. So we'll see how that goes. Uh with our multiple auto audio sets up setups. Sorry, it's late. Um we're out at Kyle and Erica's. Um and we are gonna talk about um I call this one from evidence based practice to snake oil and pretty much everything in between and where all that falls and what makes sense and what doesn't. Um, A lot of this stems from, you know, you do see a lot out there, especially with the world of social media today. Um, What's the newest fad or the newest certification so on and so forth. But then after listening to some other people and just working in academia, the strong push for evidence-based practice, which I was against, because I called it evidence-influenced, and then I had actually never heard of the ev- evidence-based continuum, which I thought was really interesting. That was a new one, but kind of put it in the light for me, and we can dive into that if we want, and yeah, just where it all fits and how that all works, and
1: we'll go from there, so. It's a lot to cover. Go from that, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and start. I, yeah. I think uh, let's get into that continuum. Go. Could you explain that? Um, crap. I hope I wrote it down. Yep, you yes, did. I did.
0: Um, because yeah, I didn't like evidence based practice. Because to me, with that, it's like, okay, what's in the research? Well, and I just always use this IT band example is one study showed you got to strengthen up the lateral hip muscles, the abductors. That's going to help with hip control. In theory, it takes some stress off the knee from iliotibial band stuff. But that's a whole other thing we could go into. We'll save it for another day. But then you go and you read another article that did hip exercises, and you get the results of that, and it says doesn't work, pointless, don't waste your time. Well, if I go by that theory, what should I do is just sit there and look at the person, you know, like, and hope that they get better, like, am I not supposed to do anything? And so that's where I heard somebody say, you know, evidence influence practice, and using the evidence to help guide you in what you're doing, or solidify, validate, whatever word you want for it but then it was actually at the dry kneeling course where we brought up this evidence-based continuum which is utilizing the best research evidence that's available your clinical expertise which they talked about being different than experience which i would agree with and then also the patient's values and preferences because i think again with everything the evidence can show it works but if they don't think it does doesn't stand a chance instantly you're already at a loss so, to me, that was just like, yep, that's the full and comes to this thing. And to me, it kind of coordinates with that evidence,
1: influence, and puts all the rest of it together. Kind of takes the best of every perspective in all three worlds. I like it. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Done. I mean, it makes Episode sense. Episode over.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's, um, the patient has so much of a role in the outcomes, I think, that it's, It's hard to respect that as much with just hard evidence, um, depending on where they are in their life during the treatment. And like you said, like if they think it's going to work or if they don't, if they're ready to make change or if they're not. Um, And then if they can, if they can afford, I mean, their, their financial situation also plays a role in that too. So yeah, I, I, would say I was more with you where before it was like really just show me the hard evidence that this works. And over time and practice have realized that that's obviously not everything and evidence needs to come from somewhere. So trying different things and using your expertise, I'd actually like to hear a little more on that too, like their their explanation of the difference between your experience and your expertise.
0: I think what they were saying, and again, Without, I gotta really want to call it out, but I don't want to have that storm. Um, you know, it was very critical of everything. So, like expertise to me is, you know, you're dedicated to your craft. Like, if you're gonna put, it, you know, the ten thousand hour rule, whether you agree with it or not, in terms of becoming like really mm-hmm. good at something, well, you can't just go and do ten thousand hours of something without any like real dedication behind it and become an expert it has to be dedicated practice for 10,000 hours. And I think that's what their argument was with, you know, expertise versus just experience because, you know, you could be in whatever medical field for 20 years, but if you don't critically think on a daily basis or, you know, do other stuff, sure you've got experience, mm-hmm. but do you? Tr- are you truly an expert in it? Their argument was no, and I would agree with that is that unless you're, Critically trying to get better with everything on a daily basis, you know, and challenging yourself. That's where the expertise actually comes in and like reflecting, excuse me, on what works and what doesn't work.
2: Which is interesting, right? Because when you think about that, like someone that's striving to continue to learn more, expose themselves to more, and in like intentional practice, right? So 10,000 hours of intentional practice, yes. that person usually doesn't even call themselves an expert, really. So a lot of times your true experts wouldn't even define themselves as experts. Whereas your experience will very quickly define themselves as experts. So yeah, that makes sense.
1: Do a good job.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The basics, just do a good job.
1: There's, I I fall along the same lines of you guys. I've always, before I felt like, you know, the hard evidence and, it had to be by the book of, you know, that's that's gold. And it, everything else is just kind of like voodoo or, or whatever. It doesn't work. But obviously, I don't know, there's things that have been around for quite a while. And there's really not a whole lot of hard evidence for that. And a lot of Eastern stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. still around. It's been around for probably a lot longer than a lot of the other things. And it must work or it wouldn't be around. And whether it's placebo or something else, it works. So it's hard to knock it. <clears throat> and I'd, I'm not saying that there's no value in evidence because I think it always needs to come back to that. and Maybe you have, you know, try to push the fringes of finding what is going to be new or improved for what the standard of care is now. But then, okay, let's take that and then see if we can find some, research to to like go along with that you know to maybe prove that or say maybe it's not this aspect but another aspect or what portions of that are beneficial
0: and i thought that, you know that was in something interesting they talked about too is you know the, the research field is insert number of decades behind
2: Ten at least minimum
0: <laughs> 10 years or, or ten, ten, years, 10 years 10 years yeah but yeah 10 years you know and I've heard different arguments on that, especially in the medical field. Like, it's until the last batch of doctors every 25 to 30 years retires that things can actually start changing. Because that's who holds all the power. You know, I've heard up yeah. to 30 years. Right. Yeah. You know,
2: Matthew says, she just said it again this weekend's it's freaking hilarious. She said research advances or science advances one funeral at a time. Kind of true. It <laughs> is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, even these guys referenced it. And so that's where I kind of go back. It's like, okay, so if we're completely evidence-based, some of this stuff hasn't been around or been popular enough. And we could also dive into, you know, is research truly a good space anymore? Because everybody's trying to get something that's new out there. Because if you don't, you're not going to get published. You're not going to get tenure. Like, there's very few like, studies where they just, like, will redo or try and copy another one because there's no money in that. There's no Mm -hmm. fame in it, so you're always trying to find something and how many people have skewed their numbers Mm -hmm. in order to get out there. So how good is the evidence, even if it's double-blinded and this, that, and the other thing? Not hating on it. Still think it's great. Still think we need to do it, but
1: it's its own gigantic nightmare of stuff it's kind of a big game right yeah and uh doing a little bit of reading too and i talked about like the, the group think you know where maybe you have cert- some study that you know gets a certain finding and then like you talked about you know the other studies try to piggyback off that and you know try to get that that published research out there well maybe that first study was flawed slightly or you know not not run the greatest and now you have all these other studies that are referencing that or building off of that so it's kind of almost like building a house of cards you know where what are you building off of in the first place you know and, and i think that's not all the time like you said it, it, not trying to knock it at all but i, I do think that that is prevalent it, it happens
0: Totally out of thing, but I completely lost it
1: now. The other thing to be weary of, I think, is just um, within the research is the conflicts of interest with definitely where that research is coming from or who is going to benefit from it. And, um, you know, if there's a financial bias, because obviously it's not cheap to, to run a study. And usually the better studies need to take a little bit more expense to run them. So... Uh, those financial ties, I don't think guarantee the bias, but uh, you still have to be wary of that. You know, it's going to be more likely that there is a bias. So at least knowing what that is, and then and uh, just taking it with a grain of salt, I guess. I know a certain friend, uh, just people that we know, ran a
0: study, presented the results back. It was for a company. The company wasn't real happy with what the results showed, so he was back to his stats to look for any other thing that might somehow work he wasn't trying to doctor him he wasn't trying to mess with them but you're going back and you're combing through the numbers to try and find anything that gives a subtle hint and then how much of a difference is it
2: well and then your, i mean your graphics can make things look mm-hmm. so different just like percentages on a graph and things for for someone that doesn't know exactly what they need to nitpick through the research to f- to find actual answers like in a bias study like you're talking about or the potential for bias you can use the graph to make it look basically however you want with the results yeah
0: so the other one i kind of struggle with this is kind of the it seems like extremism and i don't know if that's a product of like insta fame you know everybody's got to put something on both ends. You know, some right. are tried and true and hardcore and everything like that. Or, like, you, if you don't buy into, like, your one thing that you're selling. And I know we've had this conversation a lot, and I've said it to a bunch of people, and why I like working with you guys is it's not just the chiropractic adjustment, mm-hmm. as it is with some other ones. My first experience with a chiropractor working with one was TJ, who you had met when um, we interviewed. Big ART guy, that's his thing, but it's you know, soft tissue followed up by the adjustments. Doesn't do a ton of rehab on the backside of it. He'd prefer that out to somebody. It just wasn't his interest. Totally fine with that. But it wasn't just come in, spend all weekend with our track team and adjust them and say, Oh, you're off on your way. Mm-hmm. And he also wasn't above, you know, we had a massage therapist come and say, Hey, You got to go see him. He's going to be the guy that's going to help you out. And our massage therapist would do the exact same thing. And I just sat there and coordinated because they both were better at it than I am. (laughs) Totally fine by me. But just, I don't know if a jack of all trades is a good thing. I'd like to think it's okay. I know some people will say you got to specialize in something, uh, especially if you're going to, you know, business wise or different things like that. And that's one reason I like Ferris because he will talk about how being a jack of all trades isn't always the worst thing in the world but it's just like you it seems like you almost have to have that toolbox yeah because if you don't you're going to keep trying to hit everything with a hammer even if
1: it's not going to be effective
0: mm-hmm.
2: totally agree
1: or knowing the right tool to refer to, to pull out, yeah. right yeah having yeah, your if people, you don't have it in your box like you just said those guys will refer back and forth know someone that does yep
2: it's always interesting when you um get done with the seminar and like every all patients that next week right fit right into that category <laughs> that was this. my hair Lahore. <laughs> lower
0: i came back fixed my whole injury report life's gonna be good no not <laughs> yet yeah. <freaking chair>. so <laughs> far tried, from the truth i it
2: did <laughs> yeah uh at the BirthFit professional seminar one of our first slides when we get into like why we're all here in this room is we all come from different blueprints we all have different tools in our toolbox, but we need to be able to utilize them when appropriate. And I think, uh, you know, like the ability to know when you do need to refer to someone that's that you're beyond helping or just even someone that is better or more of an expert mm-hmm. in a certain area than you are. Um, and when you when you talk chiropractic, there's I mean, you get you get extremes in any profession, but with chiropractics like you have chiropractors that just strictly adjust mm-hmm. just strictly adjust one segment and yep. then all the way into like don't adjust at all. And I think
0: sent a person the activator that's oh, all they did. Oh, that yeah, was yeah. it.
2: And I think like the biggest mm-hmm. thing is that I've come to respect and realize that if that's where you are is you're not you're not doing more than adjusting, you're you're adjusting um then have someone else on your team that's doing more than that. Mm -hmm. Whether they're in your office or not, have that referral. Same thing for a PT or a chiral that's not doing adjustments. Um, And that's just obviously an easy example for me to use because I'm in it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it happens, like I said, in every profession across the board.
1: Yeah, I think so. The thing you mentioned initially with the snake oil, and mm-hmm. you know, we kind of talked about, uh, you know, being weary of the, the research side of things, which, you know, yeah, right. there's your conflicts of interest. A lot of times that's not dis- disclosed. Or you said, um, you know, you've got a study that maybe details are not brought to light as much as maybe they should have been just because it doesn't benefit who they wanted to benefit or, or, or not. But then you look at the other side of that and you said, you know, finding that middle ground and don't going you know mm-hmm. being that extremism you know there's a lot of stuff out there promoting this is the best new thing and uh i think you definitely have to be weary of that too i mean open to you know willingness to you know kind of look at this information and hear it out but not just buying into it right away like right. this is it like okay well sure let's let's hear this out you know but let, let's see the, the proof, you know, whether it's a, a hard study or uh, maybe it has to start with some case studies, which I'm sure they're going to have plenty of case studies to, to demonstrate with it, too. But Level um, 5 evidence, yeah, pretty low. Go, yeah. Pretty <laughs> low. You can bo- move up one if you go to the case series. But, yeah, I, I think it's just, um, like you said, just finding that middle ground because, I don't know, the, both are prevalent, especially i think on social media and just to the general consumer there's a lot more of that the snake oil side of things than the you know so like when you say
2: snake oil it's more of a like gimmicky
1: yep gotcha
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i know yeah and i think there's it was charles paul big time strength coach kind of yeah. little very unique guy we'll say it that way his whole thing is, is nothing's new in all of this like there's very little that is new unless it's like cutting-edge medical you know lab type stuff but in terms of like the performance and things it's all just how people package it like mm-hmm. that's the difference in it so are you actually presenting something new or did you just find a way to tweak it um, kind of going back to all this you know this guy was a former that we've kind of referenced was a former ART person well a lot of what he was talking about sounded a lot like ART but ART on its own, my friend, our friend, the massage guy Kyle, yeah. goes, Well, that's just pinning and stretching. That's a massage technique. Like that's not new, but it got packaged in a you know, with a pretty bow on it, and they did a great job with it, mm-hmm. sure. But mm-hmm. you know, is it really truly something that's so different that it's what it is? Right. Sure. <laughs> I don't yeah, you know, we don't sell a lot of things like that where we're running courses claiming we've
1: created the newest and greatest thing i don't know that you could seems like a lot of times when that happens there's just money that is uh, the driving force
2: yeah i mean
0: that's hard on the nutrition it's hard on the nutrition side but i think that's also a point coming back to is like i don't obviously don't own a business you guys do but I haven't seen anything that you guys have done where you're like, you know, this is all that we believe in. Mm. Cause you even say it, you know, with like, you know, the spine and body works, that could be so many different things all with underneath that, that it's not like we're the instrument assisted specialist, And that's, you know, you come in with a cold and we're going <laughs> to take a metal tool to you to fix you. It's type of a thing like that. Cause it is like, it's a, broader picture than that whereas some other ones it's it's definitely not it's straight up this is what we do for absolutely everything Mm -hmm.
2: i think the universe has a really really unique way of humbling your ass if you if you think you know what you're doing too um just from the standpoint of like oh we've got this you know it's going well we're helping people it's good it's good love my job and then like you get that one patient that's just like, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. And I think, especially with the population that I work with, like the the metaphysical or emotional component is freaking huge in their healing. And that's where you get into more of that like Eastern body mm-hmm. side of things. But if, and I, I would say straight out of school, I would have thought that was like hippy dippy and... <laughs> snake oil but now seeing is like holy shit yeah you can't ignore that aspect of the human being so it's more than like what's on their intake form and what can you do for them physically but who they are as a person where they are back to kind of what we talked about in the beginning um one thing I was going to say too with what you were just talking about with the snake oil and like being leery of sales gimmicky I think it also comes into, like, who who do you get your information from or who do you trust? Right. So in, in having the knowledge or confidence in them, I've gotten myself in this situation before. It's like, well, this person obviously knows what they're doing, so I'm just going to take them for their word, not even look into it. And that bit me in the ass pretty damn hard. So <clears throat> even when you think you know or you think someone else does... Like, where is their information even coming from? And why are they so strongly confident
0: about this? And all I keep thinking is the nutrition side. That's... With how much money is out there in the supplement thing. You know, who's, mm-hmm. is, you know, wellness coaches and different things like that. And where, where's the backup on it?
1: It's hard, too, because with the nutrition side, I don't think that you can pin this is the the perfect diet for every single person either. There's so much variability. So it's very difficult. And I think most of the times when you hear that, like that nutrition, it's like just a blanket type thing of this is the the greatest way to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, it's probably a great way to do it, maybe for you and maybe for a lot of other people, but probably not for every single person. Right.
2: Like the difference in not only what you're eating but who you are as an eater. And Mel with Birth Fit talks I mean, she's got extensive training in it and she talks a lot about that, but we're all afraid of well not all of us, but that mm-hmm. whole emotional eating. Mm-hmm. But we're all emotional eaters. So it's just more about like developing that that positive relationship. But nutrition I would say nutrition, I agree. Nutrition's a hard one to not get caught up in the gimmicks for people that are vulnerable and looking for help and desperate Mm -hmm. and
1: yeah very desperate I won't name
2: the company but we ordered a supplement from this company (laughs) and for our kids it was just like this nutritional whatever and I looked at the back of it just to see what the ingredients were because of the previous incident I had just told you about and I was like what the it's this Literally, I can't even remember what it's called. Something nutrition, something. And, like, one of the first ingredients is brown, is it rice flour and then, like, corn syrup solids. And I was like, what the? And this is a company that I had trusted before.
0: Interesting. But
2: that alone, I'm like, okay, what are you doing else? Like, what else is going on? So keeps us on our toes.
0: I had never, yeah. I had known it but never realized it till Kelly kelly did the whole 30 i just kind of played along for as much as i could Mm and just like her looking at everything and pointing out and it's just like nothing is without some sort of chemistry Mm -hmm. experiment in it which is hard (laughs) but it was just like description you know how hard it is to find good bacon oh Oh yeah I,
2: i couldn't buy bacon well right now i'm only eating um bacon that has honey in it like no sugar at all okay And so I couldn't buy any at the store because there's literally one kind at the store that's uncured and has honey in it rather than sugar. And they're out of it. And I was like, I mean, if you walk into the store and you look at the baking section, you've got shit tons of options, but they're all crap.
0: She found it at the natural grocer in Rochester.
2: Got to go there. Yep.
0: It's a nice place, but Whole30 approved, but sometimes it's not there Right. It is very good bacon. I will give it that. I believe We don't it. like to go back anymore because it's really that good. But. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, just it's hard. This is super hard. Uh, where else do we want to go with this? Well, the Erica was talking a little bit about, uh, you know, the humble pie piece of things, and I've been served that plenty of times. Uh, but with practice, I joke with patients now is like, you know, you wouldn't have wanted to see me, you know, when I first got out of school as a, like, I feel bad now for how I treated patients. Right, Not like, you know, like, <laughs> just like the, the things I did it was like, God, man, what was I thinking? And I just, you want to go back and, but you do the best that you can at the time. And for the way that I treat patients this week in 10 years, I'll probably look back and I hope that I look back and be like, what the hell were you doing? You know, like that was way off, but yeah, you just do the best with what you can with the information that you have. But again, you know, you, you have to look at the evidence and look at the research, but look at where that's coming from and don't just buy into every single thing. Just do it, do your homework. I, you know, for just to tie it back to people that potentially
0: are listening to it. What i And honestly, I don't even know who our audience is, if it's more, you know, practitioners or if it's, you know, patients or, you know, clients, like knowing that by asking or talking to whoever your provider is, you know, what do you do to continue to learn? Yeah. You know, is it the, I'm going to go online and get whatever continuing education units I need just to make sure that I maintain my, you know, certification, my license up, or are you going out and challenging yourself with something new? You know, I and I want to go to a kinesiology taping course because I want to just sit there and drink the Kool-Aid for the weekend. I don't know that it'll ever change my opinion on it, but I want to go in with an open mind because obviously there's, it's been around, they're successful. I'm not set doing it because I see it on the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> just like I had done cupping before cupping was the thing. <laughs> Like the, the Michael Olympics. Phelps craze. Right. <laughs> when I was over in India, they referenced that too. Did they? All because of Michael Phelps. <laughs> That's Cup-in became a much bigger thing because of Michael Phelps. Well, even for all sure. our football guys are all interested in dry-needling because James Harrison, who plays for the Patriots now, posted a picture and he had like 40 of them in him. Just like all over his body. And Now all of a sudden, what is it? What does it do? It's just like, yeah, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> You're not James Harrison. But... You know, like, I think that's big to just know what your people are going, you know, what are they doing to continue to advance their knowledge. So, like, you know, your patients would come in, you know, what's your next thing that you're looking for?
2: I think that's a huge point on multiple levels because the patient needs to be able to have those types of conversations as it is like us as practitioners Mm -hmm. need to create that space within our office. And hopefully our informed consent is more than a sheet of paper, but like truly explaining to them the what and why behind what we're doing. And, you know, then there is a little bit of responsibility, though, as a patient. um, And that goes for me or anybody that if you're not seeing the results that you hope to see, then ask the questions or make the change or whatever. So, yeah, I think that's that's for us on our side and then for the patient as well. So that's a good point.
0: Uh, one just kind of asking, you know, we can kind of go around it. Like, how do you guys fit research into what you guys do? Like, again, we kind of referenced, I don't remember if it was on record or not, but you know, you were reaching out, asking for certain papers. Um, I haven't done a ton of searching for like DNS related ones other than Mm -hmm. obviously the couple that have been out there that have been really interesting. I found a couple other ones. I just haven't had a chance to read them. Um, yeah. So how do you guys put it in, especially kind of with what you do with birth fit and your, the whole group does with birth fit? Yeah. Because if you were on this other podcast, you'd be like, well, what's your evidence? Why does that work? Yeah, yeah. Right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really,
0: you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. It's a later, else I'd try and be, play devil's advocate, but <laughs> I don't want to make <laughs> anybody angry at 9.30 an at night. No,
2: no um, that's a good question, and especially with the, the birth fit population like we get into so my niche within that is core and pelvic floor and it's like holy gimmicky bullshit if you want to go online and find some gimmicks there's where you can find them um, but relating it back to like this is this is how we were born to move so this is why we use that um, the functional progression that is in all of the birth fit training was developed in our office based on a patient that needed help off from like you said, nothing's new. It's based off of DNS or rehab prog school methods um, and just put into a sequence for a specific reason. And that is an area where um, I've got a meeting later this week to try to do more research because I do, you know, we've, I've seen it with, I mean, for several years now within patient, with patients and within our own office and how it's helping. But I think that's where it's like, okay, we've got to put this out there and, like, do some research to make sure that things are activating properly and, like, this is potential to last long term. But at the same time, um, because there's not any specific evidence out there with the functional progressions in the sequence that they're in for that population, doesn't mean I'm going to, like, well, sorry, we can't do this until I've got the evidence DNS itself has a ton of evidence supporting it, and more and more and more coming out um, on their. It's rehabps.com. They have a evidence page, and you can go through all their case studies and all their. I mean, there's a top few that I like to share with professionals to just to understand like why it's important for athletics and like mm-hmm. just movement in general. But there's a lot on there. Um, but I think honestly, what I do a lot outside of Adjusting as a chiropractor is DNS, and from what I gather, from what I've what I've been over there and talked to them is they they weren't an extremely research based methodology. Um, it was more once they started spreading their courses and their methods that other other people were kind of asking for the research, and they realized then like okay we've got to culminate the two the experience and the research, right. and now they've been great. They've been great with it. Um, But, yeah, I would say with my population, too, it's difficult because everybody's afraid to do any sort of research on pregnant women, like a fear-based thing. So It's tough. That's a whole other episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think it's good, too, because you can't literally be able to – treat patients on a full-time basis and be able to read every single journal and every single article within the journals so if you can find like a reputable source you know maybe like you talked about going to these different seminars you know where you're continuing ed you find a, a source or multiple sources of maybe um instructors or um people that you read or blogs that you follow or like different avenues that you're getting this information or even books that you can follow them. And they're basing their information off of this research. So they're able to kind of find the, the evidence within their niche and then present this information and say, um, I just sent, I think both of you guys, I think I sent you the whole thing and you part of it, of that uh, article today. About, I saw them come through. I haven't looked at the emails yet. So but. basically, just an article, though, and it, it um, kind of broke it down, and it was an article, and it had, like, I don't know how many different references, but then the the articles within that. So it's pulling evidence, but it's kind of more concise with within that specific topic, specifically, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, a good way to do it, too, like any of these, um, the, the DNS courses more now or like a, a motion palpation seminar we went to a lot of those like with Brett Winchester I mean he's always throwing in like this is the the latest research that they found regarding this specific topic and um, I think it's nice to kind of get it that way too as opposed to you know trying to overwhelm yourself with everything I think it's good there. too
2: to like just do some pub or just you know like Re- just once in a while, just to for sure. search it and see what comes up, and I'll do that. Um, I'll do that once in a while, and usually it gets me on a whole different sidetrack because then you find holes. yeah, you're <laughs> finding stuff within stuff, and we talk about in BirthFit like right now, basically BirthFit's been started for well several years, seventh year. This is the seventh year of wow. it, which is crazy, but it is it. Is, a case study in and of itself and Mm -hmm. we're seeing better outcomes in birth and like shorter labors and all of that. And like, so we track within all the regional directors track within a Excel sheet and they can't without permission, give patient like name or information, but we track results from, right. That's huge. Were they seeing a chiropractor? Were they training for birth with fitness and mindset? Like what, you know, what was that? And like, how's it going? So holding yourself, accountable as a professional to, like, pay attention to what's going on in your clinic to are you getting good results or are you not type of thing. But um, off of what Kyle said, even just looking at, like, your mentor, where they get their information from, but then even, like, picking articles or studies out of bigger studies that you're seeing and going back into further of, like, where did this come from or where did this originate to?
0: I think I stole it's stolen from Ty Lopez. I don't know if you've ever seen him floating around on the interwebs, but he was talking about like, you know, how you become an expert and like all the different things with that. Mm-hmm. One of his things was you gotta constantly be trying to prove yourself wrong. And so if you can legitimately look at what you're doing and go back and argue on the other side of that and continuously come back to your answer you're probably doing something right. Yeah. You know, if you're really trying to do it, um, and I keep referencing this dry needling course, but I was just really impressed with the guy that was teaching it because he presents some of the evidence that's out there. You know, this is where he based all his ideas off of, and he's been doing it for 20-plus years. So there's a lot of clinical experience with it. But to be able to go and you're teaching a dry needling course and show a study where they found that you could do a sham that felt like a dry needle by twirling a toothpick, apparently. that was They researched that and it showed that it was comparable versus just straight soft tissue work. There was no significant difference in outcomes. Now, this is a guy that's trying to teach you how to dry <laughs> needle and saying that in his clinic, unless he knows or it's a specific case where he thinks he needs to start right away doing that, he's going to go and have him do soft tissue work. He's gonna put him with a massage therapist or somebody else that's better at it than him. That'll be step one.
2: It's like least to most
0: invasive type thing. Kind of, a, yeah, kind of a deal. Unless he was just dead set positive that it needs to happen right now because this is what's gonna resolve it, or you know, whatever it may be. And I just thought that was huge. That you know, somebody that is successful on multiple levels would readily admit that.
1: Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's the type of person you want to go to and and the type of person you want to learn from. Right. Either way, yeah. Yep, that's a good point. Yep.
0: Yeah, I guess some of that was the other one. Um, just a question I kept having every time I was listening to this, some of these episodes and when I wasn't yelling at the dashboard of my truck as I was listening to him is you know if none of this see, I've never gotten more frustrated <laughs> to, short of like watching Food Inc or whatever it was or Fed Up oh, I think yeah, it was yeah, fed yeah. up where Shit. I was just like oh my god um you know if it's not found in evidence and it hasn't been shown to work, you know, and create actual tissue changes, yada 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 so on and so forth, like how do we explain the changes? How do we explain somebody feeling better? Is it completely mm-hmm. yeah mine screw for keeping yeah. it relatively <laughs> PG um, <laughs> we'll keep one of the four letter words out um you know are you just fooling the nervous system can you truly go in like you know you can again, go back to dry kneeling and we put i was telling you about the trigger point thing i put up as just a pondering thing and we had four or five yeah. people just have an absolute response that it was the most Asinine thing they had ever heard in their life. To one point somebody was like, Well, we're we just supposed to lay around and be sedentary our whole lives and not actually move for fear of trigger points. And it's like, Well, you probably are taking it to just a little bit of an extreme. But, you know, if you go and you get one to release. But, well, like you said, something to ponder. I mean, let's, mm-hmm. let's think about that. I don't Whether know. Is it all just Jedi mind tricks that we're pulling out and that happened to work? Or wh- where are we
1: at here? Yeah, it's hard to, I think sometimes figure out exactly what, what it is, that is is exactly causing that change too. Because with some of these interventions, there's it's so multifactorial. Sometimes to go hard <clears throat> evidence in the research, it it's almost impossible to run a study. <laughs> what? <laughs> you are.
2: It's a background story. <laughs> You're
0: good, sorry. <laughs> I'm curious because you've been
1: smiling over there for the no, last No, no, no,
2: no, it's nothing to do with this at all. Oh, okay, just something he said triggered. <laughs> sorry, okay.
1: I have no idea either. I completely so. digress, <laughs> but it, yeah, it's just hard to control all the variables, I feel like, yeah, with, uh, I with the research.
2: I think too that, um, and this is where before we would say like the hippy dippy bullshit, or like people might think. It's wacky, but you can't underestimate the power of conversation and connection and, like, the power of touch and energy at all. So, I think that's, in our country, where we miss.
0: For sure. A mm-hmm. hu-
2: where we, there's a huge, huge gap in that. And, like, I have patients that sometimes they come in and it's like, Jesus balls, I just need you to fucking meditate for ten minutes. And right. come back next week. Mm-hmm. Because he, this is all and like even back to trigger points um collage with dns talks about how like that's that's a brain issue you know your trigger points occur in your brain not in your body that's just where it manifests yeah 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 so yeah i was
0: talking about the fascial system almost being like another nervous system like they've gotten down to where they're finding like electrical activity it's just very like low threshold
1: yeah it's crazy
0: and so it's almost acts like the second nervous system or the yeah. more intricate not that the nervous system isn't but
2: i honestly think that we don't even know even close to as much as we have potential of knowing about the human body and dynamics and everything is everything like you said
1: that the energy side of things like sure you can measure energy to a to some degree a little bit objectively but we don't, like you said, we don't understand it. And how, how really can you right now for what we know? Yeah, we, we don't know it. We don't know it really. Right.
2: And I mean, we're trained from a very young age to become disconnected from our intuition and all that. So then it's like, here we are. How do we explain things? Well, it's definitely, I think multifactorial, but I think there's a whole nother component that is just really underdressed
1: shit's getting deep now oh yeah so so what makes a, a oh live gosh. body different go. from <laughs> a dead body is the energy how that how do you measure deep that really and, and, fast and what happens yeah, what happens so far what outside happens my world right now. <laughs> I said shit just got deep
2: i wasn't expecting that <laughs> yeah okay <no kidding.
0: laughs> oh Kyle the hippity dippity right that was a funny thing because the guy, then he's actually somehow he's like an acupuncturist because that allows him to do the needlework in oh, yeah. Indiana. Wisconsin's I think technically, like that too. right? And so he's like, I don't. He he classifies his acupuncture as not Eastern medicine. He does biomedical acupuncture, so it's more targeted. It's just how he refers okay. to it. Like he doesn't pretend to be, you know, someone. We like had actually right we had a lady in the course that had gone over to china for two plus years and trained to be a traditional acupuncturist he goes pretty much the only one that i'll do and it was on the pinky toe is to deal with a breached baby Mm -hmm. and he goes i can't explain it never will be able to works 80 percent of the time wow put a one-inch needle in there things happen not sure why
2: to try that out tomorrow.
0: But somebody
1: <laughs> figured that out somehow, yeah. some way,
0: but what evidence is for that? 80% is hard to argue
1: with. I don't know there's a lot of treatments that are gonna get you eighty percent. Even if you can't explain the mechanism. If right. it works, it works. That's
2: like I mean, what the Webster certification with chiropractic is eighty percent accurate for helping create optimal space for baby to find optimal position because we don't move babies. But uh, I went to that I went to that course in October thinking, like, I'm a perfectly good adjuster. You know, like, I don't really need to be certified in this. Is it just more letters? And that next week, I had a 38-week pregnant woman that came in with a breech baby. And one time of Webster and the baby rotated and had down, I was like, there's your sign. But, yeah, I mean, like, somebody figured this shit out. And that is, that number is hard. Right. It's really hard to argue. <laughs> but... They Had to start somewhere and then they had to do their research in order for us to know the number 80% is out there. So,
0: that's well, just some of those. Like, you know, how do you double blind some of this? Right? I don't know that, yeah. that. I just don't like sure that is the randomized control trial is your best evidence out there. Hmm. Can you? And then I don't pretend because I'm not a researcher and I was going to go back and I just ran out of time. You know, like how many double blind exercise ones are out there like what's mm-hmm. your double blind just the different types of exercise you know that yeah. you know the people don't know which one is right. the intervention right. and which one isn't but right. and i'm and i'm not sure and but it's just like how can we get so caught up in that ish <laughs> you right. know like kind of bring it back around but Again, you know, and we talked about it. The one guy is from what you said is more of a traditional, old school, tried and true chiropractic school. I'm I don't remember the name, um, but we don't need to necessarily reference it. Um, and I'm not bashing chiropractors, and because I'm not bashing, trying to bash anybody's thing. But you know, chiropractic hasn't always been looked down as something that's not voodooish right. kind of stuff for the longest time. You know, on the fringe and. The stigma that you guys have to fight with that. And so you're also coming out of a specific type of fitness facility that maybe isn't always the most evidence-based. Not you guys, the other
1: person. It's just kind of like, where's the hypocrisy here with it? Is there? Mm-hmm. It's got a truth in the middle somewhere.
0: Right. And yet we're going to go and call everybody else out on what they do. <laughs>
1: That's where I struggle. Yeah. That, um, the Brene Brown book, she talked about. um,
2: Assuming the best?
1: Yeah, just, she said, do you think that everybody is genuinely doing the best that they can? And, I think it's a great question because I think, in general, people do try to do the best that they can given their circumstances and their situation and, you know, just, what they've gone through or where they're at, you know, their viewpoint. I think that most people are, if not everybody.
0: So, well, you if know, Everybody loved their job. Yeah. How much more would we <laughs> get done?
1: <laughs> right. right. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's just stuff. I,
2: I agree. It's <clears> And <throat> sometimes that comes back on us, too, to assume the best. And it's really, really hard sometimes. But knowing that. Underneath it all, we just talked about this this past weekend at the coach developments weekend too. But like underneath it all, there is love in what people are doing. You don't know where they came from or where they're going, but underneath it all, the in, the good intentions are there. It can be hard to see it.
0: <laughs> and I think that's part of what bothered me so much about this and where, you know, like I think you got to have the hard conversations. Oh, yeah, but you got to do it in a way that's actually going to be beneficial. Effective. You know, and I think, you know, there's a lot of things in the supplement stuff that I, just, I don't agree with. I don't like how it's run. I You know, there's documentaries and all kinds of stuff on it. But I'm never going to fully bash someone if it's tied to something that makes sense. You know, that you're not going to fix all your issues by taking this pill or powder until you correct these things in your lifestyle or you know the same Mm -hmm. thing like no one adjustment on upper cervical is going to fix everything necessarily it could it potentially could but like can we not be so pigeonholed in what we think that we aren't open to any other idea with that there's a a magic bullet
1: for everything
0: right because there isn't or else everybody would be doing it Mm -hmm. if art or insert whatever thing here cured every soft tissue thing ever.
2: We're too dynamic or or too dynamic as humans in order for that to be the case.
1: Too many variables. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: I did go from zero birds in the muse headband for an entire freaking month of meditation to 45 birds in the muse headband after getting my TL dry needled the other day, which was fucking crazy.
1: I don't so know what that So backstory, yeah, Joel. Oh, we, do you know what the Muse headband bird, is? No. Well, you're talking about birds, and
2: <laughs> you gotta, you gotta let it. It is use ten
0: you. o'clock at night, and we did get fairly deep, so we're diving into some.
2: Okay, so the Muse headband measures basically measures your brain waves. You wear the headband, okay. and it measures your brain waves while you meditate. It's like this kind. So we purchased one. And the first time I used it, I got nine birds and I was like, fuck yes, I'm awesome. I'm rocking this. And then, um, so my my only New Year's resolution I set was to meditate every day all year long. So you would think that one would be getting better. Well, I would, I was using the headband and getting like, so it gives you a bird. If you're in the state of calm, a bird will sound. And mine is set that if your mind is everywhere, that it plays a rainstorm. So... I spent that first time like half the time in calm, half the time in active or whatever. And then from then on, I was really, really little. There's calm, neutral, and active. So let me think. Tuesday, fast forward, I I had been meditating for two months almost. So last Tuesday, I used the headband, got zero birds, and spent 14 seconds in calm. The rest of it was inactive then Wednesday, I saw the PT because I was, I'm having some gut issues and like past scar tissue. So I went in for her to work on my scar tissue and she's mm-hmm. like, ask me all these things. She's like, I'm going to do your TL too because it seems like you're a little bit overstimulated. And What's that TL thing?
0: for everybody?
2: Uh, lumbar junction. So yep. your mid low back. Sorry. You're good. Um, so. that was also
0: confirming for me to make sure I knew what we were referencing. Yeah.
2: So not exactly what I was expecting. And um, I can't describe, like, I felt so freaking good after that for the rest of the day. And then, like, the same time the following day, I used the headband, same exact spot, same time of day. Like, the only thing that changed was that I had had that done before. And just all the birds, like, 45 birds, literally 45 birds in one session. And I spent six minutes in calm. And it wasn't until afterwards when I was like, holy shit i wonder if she thinking like back to her telling me that this would calm my system down like maybe there was some stock in that <laughs> you so, think
1: like sympathetics or? Yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: that's what she was going to try to call my sympathetics so
1: anyway it was interesting
2: tangent i <sighs> So look up the Muse headband, check it out.
0: Yep. Well, I'll bring it down sometime put and try it out. I'm going to have 0.0, 0 and calm. Well, on with here. that
2: attitude you will, like, right.
0: used <laughs> to do that. Okay, we're so tangenting right now. I'm going to have to cut all this <laughs> yeah, out. All
2: that. It's, you can cut the story out. It's right.
0: fine. <laughs> I still remember when I was younger, for whatever reason, I was like, can you ever get yourself to not think about anything? Like, is that feasible?
2: That's what people think meditation like, is, right? Like, can
0: you just like get yourself to just go completely blank? And I would feel like at times you could like figure it out because you would just like almost overwhelm your system. But then you would sit there and be like, oh, I just thought about nothing. <laughs> and then it's that. done. And I'm just, I've never like revisited because I haven't done any meditation stuff. I've thought about it. Um, Dave Asprey had this thing where you like clip it on your ear and it measures like your heart rate variability and mm-hmm. basically turns like red if you're like starting to light up, even if you don't physically feel like you are and then you so you want to maintain green all day gotcha. sure. um, he says it's great in like traffic because it really gives you a test <laughs> <laughs> of if you can keep yeah. yourself calm basically or at
2: bedtime at the yeah. house. and
0: i've thought about trying it just out of morbid curiosity to see if that's something you can like actually control but i still remember trying to do something like that is could you actually like get your mind to be like calm and not think about anything and i feel like there was like a split second where it was just like too much overload to the point there was nothing, and then you think that, oh, I was thinking nothing, and you're (laughs) back to where you were.
2: We need to do another episode on what is meditation for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to be able to contribute much to that, so (laughs) I'll just sit and listen. You can
2: be the lab rat.
0: There we go. (laughs) Anything else we want to touch on? I don't know that we need to go through all the questions, but...
1: Yeah, I think we hit it.
0: Some of the stuff, and I haven't read them, you know, when we look at, like, book recommendations and things like that, um, I think it's Bad Science is one that's out there that kind of gives you an idea of how to, like, dive into what's not, um, good research, um, and that was one thing I did take away a little bit from, um, listening to these episodes and different things, is that I, I was the guilty one that I would read the abstract, the intro, maybe a little bit of the methods if I had something that I wanted to know or if they used an intervention I was curious about, but then would jump to the discussion, try and glean all of it. Oh, yeah. Where I still kind of do that, but based on what I'm seeing out of the abstract, I'm more critical. Just in terms of, like, being a little bit more, not that I'm going to bash, you know, the author or anything, but I'm just a little more aware, which I think is a good thing. That's something I gleaned out of all of this, but I believe it's bad science. I really want to read that one, and then I think there's another one that's called "Lying with Statistics," that's supposed to be pretty interesting. Um, that kind of gives you the background of like how that can happen and how they can just be like molded to fit the argument, and you know what does this actually mean? You know, oh, we found an effect. But it's not statistically significant, but somebody might see the effect and go, oh, well, it works. Well, it didn't mean that it worked better than anything else. It just happened to have an effect. Mm-hmm. The significant part is it, but then you'll see that if you don't read into it, they might not have done it 95% confidence. It might have been done at 80. Not as good
1: anymore, right. in theory. So. Yeah. yeah, that would be interesting. But
0: hmm. well, yeah, other than that.
1: Not gonna lie, I like the headsets, they do pretty good. Yeah, you yeah.
2: guys sound legit in here. Uh-huh.
1: Nice. We better for stepping up the game. Yeah. I like it.
0: Well, we hope you got something out of that. If not, a couple <laughs> interesting <laughs> stories late on a you should have Tuesday some good night questions. in February. So, um, shout out to Paragon. We've missed that episode part. That might be a blooper um, for their supplement support and the different things um you can use our cp code uh, cp15 at checkout get 15 off i don't know if they have any more of their catalyst but hopefully they get that going soon but um they're well worth checking out and until next time they've got other good products absolutely i also utilize the flame off, flame off. Yeah, i just it.
2: popped my flame off before yeah. the episode so
0: i try and go at the beginning of the day end of the day just to see it's more of an experimental phase right now. Gotcha. See, this past weekend didn't help, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, uh, we'll talk to everybody later.
1: All right. Thank you for checking out this episode of Clinically Pressed. Go to clinicallypressed.com
0: for full show notes and links to everything that we covered in this episode. While you're there, you'll have full access to all our episodes, insights, and shorts. You can find Clinically Pressed on YouTube or any podcast outlet that you use. If you could give us a rating, thumbs up, or a review on how we we're doing, we would greatly appreciate it and heard it helps out quite a bit. To get more free content delivered straight to your inbox, sign up for the Total Athletic Therapy newsletter at totalathletictherapy.com or clinicallypressed.com. You'll get direct links to all the new clinically pressed episodes, reviews on some of the latest research in health and performance, and links to related podcasts and other items meant to help you make the complicated, simple, and optimized performance. Thank you for listening and see you
1: next episode.